Amen. Good morning. How are you? Good. Good to see you. It's a great day. Uh, before we get going uh, into the message this morning, we just want to take a moment to honor veterans and honor uh, Memorial Day. And uh, we have, did we find that video? Good. We have a video. This video is a little bit dated, uh, but it's just a good, a good reminder that, hey, we need to remember veterans. And I would like to ask if there are any veterans, would you just stand up really quickly and, and just uh, allow us to remember and, and honor you? And, uh, and George is like, oh, man. <laughs> so is there any other veterans? Good. Good job. Thank you for your service. We appreciate it. And um, yeah, thank you. The, um, I think it's important to honor. I know, you know, a lot of times the people that you won't serve in this is the way it is in ministry too. The people you won't serve in the ministry are the ones that don't want uh, to be acknowledged. And uh, that's the people with the right heart. So I appreciate that. But it's important for us to honor that um, and honor service like that. And just watch this video and let's remember, uh, let's remember, you know, our veterans and the price that we paid. So, thank you.
is very good for us to not forget and to honor them. And uh, Lord, right now, we just lift up our military members that are presently active or ones that even are not active anymore. We lift them up. We remember their families. Lord, we remember. We honor them. Your word says that greater love hath no man uh, that he, but that he lay down his life for his friends. And Lord, that's just it. That's why they're out there. They're out there for us. They're out there for their friends, their family, so that we can have the freedoms that you desire for us to have. And Father, we just praise you for those people that have made a commitment and made a decision. And Lord, we just pray that your blessings would overflow in their lives in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we, have, um, we just finished a series... Uh, talking about uh, cloudy with a chance of loaves and fishes, and uh, had a couple of things lined up to preach this morning, a couple of different series, uh, but the one uh, thing that I had in my spirit is this on reality check, and I don't want to forget about praying for another body again, so before I get into that reality check, one of the things that we do if you're new here uh, today, uh, number one, generally we don't pass a plate, it's not wrong, it's just we don't normally do it. We don't want you to give under compulsion in any way. We want you to give because you love God. So we just have those boxes on the walls, two of them back there, and you just put it in there. Uh, If you have information, you drop it in there. Another thing that we do is every week uh, we recognize we are not the only body of Christ. (laughs) We are a part of the body, but we're not the only body. And our job as believers is to not forget the other parts of the body. Our job as believers is to pray for the whole body. And so each week, generally, we pray for a different church, and we lift them up and pray for them the way that we would want people praying for us. And so today, if you look on your handout, we have a growing family church, and Pastor Larry and Glenda Wilkins, they are incredibly uh, great friends of ours, and we just, we love them, and we just always wish the best for them. Uh, But will you join me this morning, and let's lift up that congregation and lift up their pastors and their leaders. So, Father, we just agree right now, thank you so much for Growing Family Church. Lord, thank you so much for Pastor Larry and Glenda Wilkins. Lord, we just ask for your blessing to be on them. Father, we just ask right now that your hand and your hedge of protection would surround them so that no evil will befall them. In every way, Lord, let them have the spirit of wisdom and understanding and knowledge, Lord. Let your wisdom be poured out in them in everything that they do. Lord, we thank you that you just draw people to grow in family church, that you would draw them there from the north, south, east, and west, the ones that you have called and placed in that body. Father, let them Uh, come and be a part. Let them get involved and be committed to the place where you have placed them in growing family. And Lord, we just pray blessings on Pastor Larry and his family. Lord, in every way possible, let them be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining with me on that. And uh, so I had, there's a couple of series that I'm looking at. One is talking about seeking first and uh, the kingdom of God, and another one is talking about how to be led. And uh, I had planned to start one of those uh, today, 
But as we were sitting here uh, this week, I just there was something I had in my spirit. It's been here all week long, and I, and it was what I was supposed to preach on. And that is, we need a reality check. And we just had Jim Hockaday in here. You've heard his name mentioned several times. And it's just been quite a blessing to have him in here. It was amazing. Multiple people healed. The power of God was released. I mean, it, you know, in where Rebecca, Rebecca, you know, one of the things she had, the power of God hit her so many, so hard in a good way. And so many times she was just sitting there shaking, not just while she was at church during her, uh, during her week, because God wants to get personal with us. He wants to be that close and in our lives. But what, one of the main things that Jim was talking about is there's an alternate reality than just what we see and hear. There, we have this fleshly world, this physical world, but everything in the Bible is really talking about another reality, the reality of a spirit life, of the reality of the spirit. And so that's what we want to look at today. And so as we go into it, I want to just show you some stuff. And uh, do you know do you know what the exchange rate is on gold right now per ounce approximately? Anybody know? 1180, 1200. Okay, we'll just say 1200. So the exchange rate on an ounce of gold is about $1200 for an ounce. I I wasn't planning on doing this, but I happen to have this is not a gold coin, uh but it looks like one. <laughs> so um but let's just say that it is, right? Let's say that uh, this is a gold coin and it's $1,200. And uh, let's say that I just gave that uh, to Todd. He'd be like, thank you very much, Pastor. You're awesome. And uh, now wouldn't that be, let's say that I, each person here, I just, you know, I gave you one gold coin, right? And that would be awesome. That'd be pretty nice, wouldn't it? Let's say, what's your thoughts about that? If you just received that gold coin for $1,200, what's your thoughts towards that? He said, this is definitely the will of God. <laughs> How you feeling right now? Right? You feeling pretty good? You know, that, that's a really nice blessing, isn't it? You weren't expecting it? It's just like, man, that's $1,200 out of the blue. How nice is that, right? You'd be feeling pretty good. All right. So, you hold on to that for a second. Let's say that all of a sudden, right here, we have this room, okay? And there's a door to this room, and, and on the other side, in this room, when you actually walk in this door, I had two movies come to mind. One was National Treasure, and the other was The Hobbit movie. And if you've seen any one of those, there's these, uh, one had a castle, and the dragon, and then The Hobbit, it, he had been collecting every piece of gold from everywhere he could find it. And that was his bed. And it was this huge, enormous room with gold that just went on and on. It's like you could swim in the stuff, right? And then in National Treasure, it was similar. There was this huge room that just kept going and going and going. And it was just one item after the next, after the next. Remember that this is an ounce and this is 1200 but we're talking about, you know, four, five, six, eight feet high gold for two or three football fields long. All right? So now let's say that I said, hey, 
here's your one gold coin. Or you can have door number two. <laughs> Which one are you going to choose? Door number two. How awesome is that? It, I mean, all of a sudden, that solves a lot of life's problems, doesn't it? Right? Well, let me just say something. This is life in the flesh. And there's just a little bit good there. It's better than normal, but it's still life in the flesh. This is life in the Spirit. Door number two, in that kind of room, that's life in the Spirit. And see, we have compromised to have just a little bit of good in the flesh. And our eyes have been closed to what's actually in the Spirit. If we could see with eyes of the Spirit, we would see that there's so much more. We would never fight to keep the flesh side. We would just let go of it and walk right in to the Spirit. We need a reality check. We need to understand, I don't care where that thing went. Who cares about the flesh? Who cares about living? Who cares about fighting for what appeases my flesh? Because it, we realize if we would just step into a spirit life, there's overflowing wealth. Not just money. All healing. Restoration. Deliverance. All of the fullness of the life of God in the spirit but the world, here's what the world's taught us from the time we were little babies. Fight to get the good stuff. Scrounge, I gotta find, I gotta find my treasure. Ooh, look, I found this. And we'll get so excited for this when God says, would you leave that alone? Stop toiling for the flesh and just open your life to the Spirit and I will overflow you. Well, that's my message, basically, right there. There's a whole bunch of scriptures you can go and, and just, that preaches all by itself, doesn't it? How important is it for us to just get that? It is worth letting go of the flesh. It is so worth letting go of the flesh so that we can enter door number two and live in this place. The things that God has, I'll put it like this. Here's how God describes door number two and living in the Spirit. It's beyond what you can ask or think. He wants to do exceedingly abundant more than you can ask or think. Not just what beyond what you can ask and think. Exceedingly abundantly more than that. That's life in the Spirit. Why in the world do we fight to keep the things of the flesh? If we just understood, you know, we, we were talking, I forget when it was, if people, I think it was on Wednesday, bless y'all. <laughs> if we were, I think we were talking on Wednesday, and if people just understood. See, if God is our source and we understand, I start to realize my job is not my source, right? What I do that's not my source. What I'm good at, that's not my source. 
God is my source in everything, in every area. And the source that God wants to bring to my life is so much higher than what I have seen with my eyes. And yet we will fight for these things in the flesh. And we will toil and struggle all of our lives and our lives effectively to what they could be generally end up being just a small, small percentage of what God's actually called us to do. Because we paid more attention to the flesh than we have the Spirit. And if we would just take off those fleshly eyes, look with eyes of faith, eyes of the Spirit, and see into what God has, His promises are so far beyond what you can even think about. His his provision in every area is so far beyond what you can think about. The reality of Him is so far beyond what you see, what you fight for. And so we've said this, you know, and we asked this question on, on Wednesday. You know, what happens when somebody feels bad and they feel sick? You know, a lot of people will say, well, I can't miss work because either one, I won't get my paycheck or I do it enough times, they'll fire me. I won't look good in their eyes. So they won't miss work. But man, come church time or time to get along with God, they'll be like, I just don't feel like doing it today. And what does that tell us? It tells us that their source is not God. They really don't view Him as their source. If they realized that their source was in Him, they wouldn't be able to be kept away from that. They would make excuses to get there and be a part and get in fellowship and get in connection with Him. And they, this would become second priority. But it's not. That's not the way it's been. So we've made the world and this room with its one coin, the most important thing and the priority. And we've made the place that actually has all of your provision second rate, and most of us never even enter that. We never even enter the reality of that. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So in other words, right from the beginning, all over the world, Word, what we're seeing from God is there's a reality that goes beyond what you see. There's a reality out there that you can't lay physical eyes on. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which were visible. From the very beginning and all over the world, God's saying, there's a door number two. There's a door number two. There's a door number two. There's life in the Spirit. You don't want the flesh. There's life in the Spirit. There's something else. And the whole plight of the Bible over and over and over again is to get you to stop living in the flesh, stop living in the world, and just open this door and enter a life in the Spirit. Over and over and over again, he repeats the same thing. In the message translation, let's just read that and just listen to this. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. Then verse 3 
by faith we see the world called into existence by God's Word, what we see created by what we don't see. Even God Himself, does He just exist in this fleshly world? In John 4.24 it says, God is a spirit. Then it goes on to say, and if you're going to worship Him, if you're going to connect with Him, if you're going to get together with God, you've got to do it in the spirit. You've got to do it. When we live, and if we're going to enter door number two, it's got to be through the spirit of God. It's got to be. There's no other way to approach Him. There's no other way for us to, to move into not just a place where the blessings are. This is a place, listen to it this way, Christians, believers, with a responsibility to worship God. This is a place where God has commanded us to live. In the Spirit. Not the flesh. Now just based off of that, let me just ask you this question. If you had to put a priority on living in the Spirit and entering door number two or watching that movie that you shouldn't watch, which one should have more of a priority? Well, I know, Brian, but it, it's, it's PG-13. I'm not talking about what it's rated. I'm talking about is it based in flesh or is it based in spirit? Because if you really understand this principle, you start to put down everything in the flesh so that you can pick up everything in the spirit. You start to see that this spirit life is by looking at Hebrews 11.1 1 and 11.3, you start to see that this spirit life in God, in the Spirit, is the trump card to everything in the flesh. In other words, the flesh can throw up symptoms and it can throw up different stuff to me like your testimony you had just the other day. And you said, uh-uh, I'm living by the Spirit. Trump card, I win, game over. That's life in the Spirit. You start to realize when I have issues and problems, they're not issues and problems. They're, they're symptoms, they're things, they're attacks that the devil tries to throw at me over here in the flesh. But in reality, they're nothing. Because over here, they don't exist. Over in the spirit, those problems don't exist. In walking in the spirit, we start to see that by doing that, we start to create a reality that's different. By us walking in the Spirit, we follow the example that God set, and we start to create His good and His blessings in a physical world out of things that we don't see either. In other words, we start to take His Word in the Spirit and we take belief and faith and trust and it becomes a support and evidence for something that we don't see. And it produces in the flesh what we needed the whole time. But those provisions are laid up in door number two, in the Spirit. And we don't get those things in the flesh without walking in the Spirit. But that means we make choices. You know, say, say Todd made me mad. Doggone it. Todd, you shouldn't have done that. Tired of you doing stuff like that. 
But see, if I let what he did to me take me out of door number two and start operating over here, I just missed out on everything that's in door number two. Now, I'm not operating in the Spirit. I'm operating in the flesh. And this is why God says, have the fruit of the Spirit, patience, love, all these long-suffering, perseverance, putting up with people that irritate me. Dang it, Todd. He had made me mad, just in case y'all were wondering. But we don't get to operate over here if we keep letting what we see in the fleshly world, physical world, draw us out of operating in the Spirit. We don't get that. And if we only understood what was actually in this room, get your mind off of gold and start thinking about healing, the power of God, operating in uh, um, fourth dimensional stuff. Start thinking in a different way that trumps all of this. You see, all these miracles that happened, all it was was simply moves that were very, very natural in the Spirit of God. They were supernatural in the flesh, but in God, they were natural. All the miracles operated here by people that understood how to commit, be committed to the things of God, and not try to operate in the flesh. In order to you know, look at this, one of the things we got to see is just this. God is good. 1 John 4, 8, He's good. Psalms 100, verse 5, For the Lord is good, His unfailing love continues forever, and His faithfulness continues to each generation. James 1, 17, Every good thing, every single good thing, everything, that is good and perfect. It comes, every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. And what that simply means is that God is good. I had the Lord, as I was meditating on these scriptures, I had the Lord communicate this to me a long time ago. He said it like this I'm good in every way I can be good. If you see, you see a promise, and you see that it's got something good in there, I'm good in every way that you can imagine or think in that promise. Just take like healing, for example. Uh, healing is not just for your body. You can have healing. If God says, I'm your healer, He's defining His character. He's defining an area that He is not, He is un invariable in. He's defining a character that will not change. He's defining a character that if his healing is a light shining, you're not going to see any shadow because it's pure, it's directed at you, there's no variation to the left or the right. You will not be able to stop his character from being who he is. It's there. The only thing that you'll be able to stop is whether or not you receive it because you didn't walk through door number two in the Spirit. That's the only way you stop it is you start walking in the flesh. But he said, I'm good in every way that you can imagine. If I promise you healing, well, you can say that's healing to your body, that's healing to your finances, that's healing to your mind, and which one has God done? All of it, and even whatever else you can think of. He's good in every way. If he's your Savior, then he wants to save you in every way. He wants to save your eternal soul. He wants to save you from your enemies. He wants to save you from destruction. He wants to save you in every way. That's who he is. It's his character. He's good in every way. There's no variation and there's no shifting shadow. 
Well, what do we do with that? When we find out that He's good and we're walking by the Spirit, what do we do with that? Mark 10.15 says, look, you've got to believe as a child. You must believe God is good as a child. He says this, it's very important, it says, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. So in other words, if we don't get in a child, uh, like a child in our hearts and in our minds, we're not going to walk into the kingdom. Now I'm not just talking about heaven. I want you to see this for what it really is. This is the king's domain. If you can imagine, the kingdom is where God has his domain and his rule, and it happens the way that God wants it to happen, right? That's door number two. That's the big room with all the supply, with all the provision. That's the kingdom of God. I've looked at it for years like this, as a playground. Because of God's goodness, He just loves building stuff in your life that's just a blessing to you because He loves you. Does He want you to grow up? Of course He does. But a big part of the reason why He wants you to grow up is so that you'll have more of the stuff that He can build and His playground of His goodness in your life. And if we will become as a child and we will believe on His goodness, we will step into the King's domain, His kingdom. We will step into the place where he can rule and give whatever he needs to give in order so you can fulfill your mission. But we've got to become as a child. When I started asking the Lord years ago about that, I said, what does that mean to become as a child? And he said this. He said, when you were five, six, seven years old, he said, and your dad told you something, how did you take it? It was gospel. (laughs) Because, I mean, my dad could have told me the biggest lie in the world, but at five, six, or seven, I'd have believed every bit of it. I'd have swallowed it whole. Later on, years later, he gave me the image of the baby birds in the nest. You know, mama bird comes back with food, and what are baby birds doing? Mouth this big, you know, wah, wah, wah. And, and what if mama bird had a, had a rock? Well, it's going to get digested because they're eating whatever she brought back, right? Well, see, with Mama Bird and maybe my dad and maybe myself, I can't trust that. But if God is really God, and if He's really that good, and He really does love us in that way, then that demands that everything He brings to me is good for me to eat. And if I will get to the point where I will just accept His goodness and I will believe on Him like that, like I was when I was that little child, I'd just take it and just swallow it right up. Not for me. Don't just listen to what I say. You need to go back. You need to seek God for yourself and study this and say, is this really you, God? But when you find out that it is absolutely God, you just open your mouth wide up and swallow it down and that instantly puts us into door number two. Instantly, we are walking in spiritual things, in spiritual provision. What do we do with that, with Him good? Number one, believe as a child. Number two, step into the domain of the King. Listen to this statement. Move into His reality. Move out of your reality and move into God's reality. Move out of the flesh and move into the Spirit. Move out of what you've been living in and complaining about and telling all your friends and neighbors about for so many years and move into what people have been giving Him praises for for millennia. 
Move into the things that He's had for you since the beginning of time. Step out of your reality and step into His. Walk and live by the Spirit. Interesting in 2 Corinthians 3.6, it says this, I'll just read the last part. It's talking about living a life in the flesh or living it by the Spirit. And it says, when you live by the Spirit, the Spirit gives life. Now life as we know it, in Romans 8-9 it says this, However, you are not in the flesh. Listen to this. He's talking to believers right here. And what's he telling you? Is he telling you that you've got to wait till you get everything lined up and all your maturity and all of a sudden there's this big key and and, you you get mature and all of a sudden a magical key appears in front of you and I can walk into the Spirit. That's not what he's saying. Listen to the wording on this. However, you are not in the flesh. If you're born again, you're not in the flesh right now. You are in, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So in other words, as soon as you get born in, you have the key to start walking in the Spirit. You have the key to step out of your reality and step into God's reality. John 17.3 says, when we enter this life and we decide to choose this life, he says, this is eternal life, that, you, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Here's the thing, he says, here's what life is. When we start walking by the Spirit, here's what happens. You get to know me. You start to become intimate with God. You start to move in His presence. You start to move in who He is, in His character, in His nature, which is good. So you start dwelling in this place. I mean, you've entered door number two and you're starting to do the backstroke, man. I mean, you're just swimming through this stuff because you're living in this place. You're enveloped by His goodness. And all it takes is us just making a decision. I'm going to stop living in the flesh and I'm going to start living in the Spirit. I'm going to stop living here and I'm going to choose to open up the door. I'm going to stop being satisfied by what the flesh has to give me because what God has is so much more. And listen, it's not just to pay your bills. It's so that you can live in a way that's overflowing into the lives of other people. The people around you need you to be overflowing in the Spirit. You don't, may not know who's sitting next to you that has a terminal disease. And man, if somebody, just somebody, had an ounce of a dipper full of what is behind door number two, that thing could be gone away just like that. God needs not just a pastor that knows this stuff. He needs just believers to know this stuff. And you know what? We're all called to it. If you are in Christ... You're in the Spirit right now. You're not in the flesh. But are you making the choice? And what am I talking about? Am I, am I talking about... I'm talking about producing the will of God wherever you go. I'm talking about things just happen. I'm talking about the testimony that I had at the beginning with ants all over me and not one bite. I'm talking about your reality changing because you're swimming and living in the Spirit and not dealing in the natural of the flesh. 
I'm talking about the presence of God getting so strong that you just shake because of because he's become that real. It starts to have an evidence. In other words, what we live in behind door number two, in the spirit, all of a sudden we start to see that it made something in the flesh. It produced something more than we could ever do. I'm talking about in Acts 28 when Paul is shipwrecked. He gets off there, they're building the fire, and, and then the viper comes out and, and bites him. And the people there are scared for Paul because they're like, man, he survived the sea, but he must have been a murderer because he's going to die now. Because it was a poisonous snake. They knew any second now he's going to, you know, blow up, you know, and be gone. But the reality was he wasn't walking as a fleshly, worldly life. He was walking in the Spirit. He's got the DNA of Christ running through his spiritual veins. And when that thing, uh, you know, that poison entered his body, it was like that DNA of Christ was like, uh, sorry, you ain't coming in here. Well, I want to come in there. That poison said, I want to come in there. And that DNA of God's Spirit inside of Paul, because he was walking and living in the Spirit, said, well, you're going down then. Wham, bam, and he takes out. And that's it. That's the end of that poison. And then all of those people are going. They, they literally said, my goodness, he must be a God. I'm talking about changing a physical reality because you live in the reality of God. But you don't just get there simply by saying, oh yes, I know it's out there and I want to walk in the Spirit. <laughs> that is not what this is. It's a choice. One of the things that Jim said was Jesus did things to fulfill all righteousness. He saw what was God and what wasn't God. He saw that there was an option and chose to put the option away and only see God's things as the only option. He walked by the leading of the Spirit of God. He walked in the life of the Spirit of God. And this is what produced the things that were produced in his life. It goes on to say the word says if all the stuff that Jesus did were written, there wouldn't be enough books to contain them. You're talking about changing the reality. All of the Bible is getting you to look at and say, I reject what I see and hear so that I can receive what I can't see and I don't hear in Christ. And by receiving that, now it will change the flesh and change the world. Well, Brian, that just sounds like you're power hungry and sounds like that. No, it sounds like God wants you to receive that. I'm, you know, it sounds like the people that don't understand that don't understand humility towards what God said. Humility is not saying, oh gosh, I'm just a poor old sinner over here in the flesh and just can't wait to get to heaven. That's not humility because that's completely rejecting so many things that God has told you to do. He said, do this. Go the same way that Jesus went. He was your example. He said, go and be who I've called you to be. Follow the example. You go heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. You go do these things. For us to sit over here in the flesh and what we see in here and say, I'm just not worthy of that. It's throwing away the fact that God counts you so valuable. You are so much more valuable than the birds that He takes care of every day. He said, look, I'm going to pay a price for you. And the price I pay for you is only valued in my only Son, Jesus Christ. And you are worth that. 
He's the one who set the value on your life. And for you to say, I'm just not worthy, you have just called God a liar because you are so worthy, He sent His only Son just for you. That's His goodness. A lot of times the world tries to produce an alternate reality and it says, you're going to fail, you're a failure, money won't be there in time, this pain will not go away unless you take something, this and that. Listen, God is good. 1 Corinthians 7, it says this in verse 5, 1 Corinthians 7, 5, it's talking about a, a marriage. And he says, stop depriving one another. Stop depriving one another, except by agreement for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, that goes in a marriage, and yes, it's talking about what you think it's talking about when it says depriving one another. But here's the thing. It's a picture of God's love and marriage to you. And if we are not supposed to deprive one another in a marriage, then Jesus is the perfect example of that. And let me just ask you this question. What of His character and His nature, what in the Spirit, what behind door number two is He depriving you of? Not a thing. God's not depriving you of anything. But you notice that the one place where they can walk out and not have deprived is because they've chosen not to receive it. They've chosen not to see door number two. Or they've chosen not to walk in the Spirit and walk through that door. See, that's what we've been in. We've been looking at the reality of the world. Maybe we didn't know that there was a door number two. Maybe we didn't know that there was a life in the Spirit. But either way, by some degree, we've chosen, I'm not going to live that way. And so we don't walk into it. We don't have it. And the Lord allows us to have that choice. But if we would just wake up and say, He doesn't want me to be deprived of who He is, of His nature, of His character, and by Him, I'm going to enjoy who He is and what He is. And I have a call and a responsibility to be filled up with the Spirit of God. To be filled up with His things so that they will overflow out of my life into other people. We'll start to sit over here and say, this is selfish for me to stay here. It's selfish for me to think that there's nothing else except for this. It's selfish of me to see in His Word all the promises of an overflowing, abundant life and not walk through that door. Many of you, I know, have been blessed through different testimonies simply by the church being here. And, and you watched uh, Nicole and I's life and, and different people have said, man, I just you bless me and stuff like that. And I realize sometimes you feel like that and sometimes you're like, God, I wish Brown would shut up. And I get that. But there's been a lot of people that have been blessed. But I'm telling you, the only reason why that's even capable and possible is because there was one day some years ago where I was sitting over here going, I won't be held accountable for not pressing into the things of God any longer. Somebody needs it, namely right now, me. But I'm doing this not just for me, I'm doing this because somebody's going to need it. And in the process, it became nothing about me and became about what does God have to do. And the things that are overflowing in your life are coming out of an overflow over here. And I'm still learning how to stay in this room and not walk back out here to the flesh. Sometimes I've done it. I'm still learning what the process is to come in this room and stay here. 
But I've got to, the first thing is I've got to start opening my eyes to realize that there is a reality besides what I see and hear, and God wants me to live there. He wants me to stay there, even while I'm on the earth. Not just when you get to heaven, right now. He said it this way. He said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Look in heaven and just tell me what is one thing that's lacking in heaven. And then he told us, pray this way. Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is he telling you? He wants the reality of his kingdom, of the king's domain that's evident in heaven to be evident on the earth. That's what he wants for you. That comes through your personal connection, relationship, and walking in the Spirit of God. How can you fail? If He's not withholding anything from you, how can you fail? 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph. How many times? Always. So if we will simply take Him by the hand and walk in the Spirit, how many times are we heading towards failure? So every time the devil brings up over in this fleshly world, you're failing. You're not going to feel any better after you pray. You're, going to, you're, just, you're not going to have the money in time. You know, how many times when, when I just I don't think that I can put down the flesh right here, how many times has the devil lied and tried to deceive you into accepting failure when God was saying there's an alternate reality and if you'll simply take me by the hand, you will step into it and I'm always leading you to one place triumph to victory how can you fail in the message it says this as we wrap up and I've got it thank God (laughs) have you ever wanted to have one of those moments maybe you haven't had one maybe you just like to say I got it I got it thank you God I got this I finally get it This is what this verse can be for you. And I've got it. Thank God. In the Messiah, in Christ, God leads us. Listen, it's describing the Spirit. It's describing living in door number two. Living in the Spirit. God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade through us. He brings knowledge of Christ everywhere we go. People breathe in the exquisite fragrance of who He is, of what He is. In the other translation it says, we bring the sweet aroma of knowledge of Him. In other words, when we move in this Spirit and we operate in God's reality, we carry something with us. The glory of God. And that glory, it affects who we're around. It affects and you start picking up Man, look at the glory on Him. Look at the blessings in their life. Look at the love that's pouring out of them. That is so awesome. And people all around you start to smell God. Because you've decided, I won't live in this life of the flesh any longer. I won't live. And see, why would you be sitting there right now? I can feel it. I can feel people going, well, you just don't know my problems. You just don't know what I'm going through. That sounds nice, Brian, but I just, you know, sometimes it's better not to get my hope up so I won't be disappointed. Because that's what the devil does. 
And here's the problem. Your eyes have been focused so far and so long on this flesh that you can't even begin to see the reality of what God has. The unlimited nature and character of God. You can't see that this is all in the flesh trumped by the Spirit. You can't see that as quickly as a a disease came on you, it can go even faster in God. As quickly as lack came up, God can provide in an instant. I told you the story just this morning of somebody that God put a person in a room with a phone number and then tens of thousands of dollars later just happened. God can change what you are going through in an instant. The question is, we become satisfied with the little bit that the flesh has to offer. And we fight and scratch and toil for the world in your job, in the flesh. And if we just would deny those things in it, I'm not telling you to go quit your job tomorrow. I'm telling you that stop making it your source and start picking up the things of the Spirit. Walk through door number two and live a life in the reality of God. And watch how all of a sudden He'll make ants not bite you. He'll make, like Paul had, He'll make snakes that are deadly not have any effect. He'll make your problems stop before they even ever get to your door. Watch how God will pour the blessings out on you and through you and all of a sudden the people around you will go, how are they living in that kind of peace? I need that kind of peace. I need that kind of reality. This is God's plan of evangelism. It's not just about the stuff that you have. It's the peace and the joy that you have living in your life. And it comes from the reality of the Spirit. It comes from God moving in miraculous, supernatural ways. We see it as that because we've been so focused on the flesh. God just sees it as normal, natural. He just sees it as everyday stuff. He sees changing the weather, changing the clouds. We experienced that a few months ago, just the weather and tornadoes starting to form right there by the house. No, you got to get back up there. And it went zoop, and then Stephen and I were watching that. That's what he wants to be in your life. The question is, are you going to be a believer? Are you going to trust him? Don't trust what I'm telling you. Are you going to look at who he says he is and say, I want door number two. I'm tired of scratching and scrounging and toiling for what the world has to offer. I'm ready to put my flesh down and walk in the Spirit and live a life in the Spirit. To connect with God. The only way we can fail, here's how we can fail, don't enter His his reality. Don't enter His. Am I calling you to hope? Absolutely. 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 I know the world's told us, don't get your hopes up. But yet God says, hope will not make ashamed when it's based on Him. If you'll put your hope in Him, you will not be ashamed. You will not be disappointed. He is worthy of hope. And let me just put it this way. If you can't get beyond that, what's the point of being a Christian if you don't have hope? What's the point in the first place? But I'm telling you, 
in a reality, there is hope in Christ. There is hope in Christ. Father, we just thank You right now. We thank You for our reality. Lord, we thank You for changing the realities of this world in our lives. Thank You for taking us to life overflowing. Life eternal. That doesn't just start in the future, it's eternal right now. Thank You, Father, for life. Your life that holds back the enemy. Thank You, Father, that He has no power. All power was given to Christ and left nothing for the devil. But Lord, by keeping our eyes on the world, we've handed Him that power that we possess. Lord, thank You for leading us to a connection with You that just makes grace surround us that makes Your love envelop us that makes the reality, your reality, become real in our lives. Thank you for changing things. Right now, yeah, Father, right now, I just ask that things would change in these lives. If you need something to change right now, will you just raise your hand? Just keep it up for a second. Lord, right now, we just ask for those things. Those hands lifted, Lord, that's a... That's a Lord I'm receiving from you. I need reality to change. And I believe, I hope on you. If they raise their hand, that's I hope on you. Right now God says hope will not make ashamed. So receive right now the reality of God changing in your life. Lord, thank you for touching and changing. Thank you for your love, your grace reaching out and touching people. And Lord, we thank you right now that as you bring us to decisions and you bring us to places you know, where we need to make a choice to the right or the left, we see your choice and we make that choice. It's not something we're not responsible to do. We're responsible for stepping into the Spirit. And that means that we will make the godly choice. Lord, we receive that and we allow that our reality is changing right now in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If today was your first day with us, we are so happy to have you. Jeff and Tara are going to step right over here by this bookcase. And if, we, if you're new today, we have a gift for you. And we would love to just love on you and pray with you. And if you have any prayer requests whatsoever, Barrett and George, will you raise your hand? They're going to be standing right here, and if you have any prayer requests whatsoever that you feel like you still need prayer for, come up. They are anointed to pray with you. Thank you so much for being here, and have a great day.